Can you hear me? Do you know where you are? You're in a dream. Would you like to wake up from this dream? Have you ever questioned the nature of your reality? Welcome to the Coffee Clatch Crew Westworld episode review. I'm Jason Pistorino. I'm Christina Lomangino. And today we bring ourselves back online for episode 304, The Mother of Exiles. Written by Jordan Goldberg and Lisa Joy and directed by Paul Cameron. IMDb is giving it a 9.3 and Rotten Tomatoes an 83%. The truth doesn't always set you free. Now, I'll give you both sides of the critics' thoughts because I think things were a little bit split depending on what you're looking for out of Westworld, right? And fans are always looking for something different. For people who were excited about the prospect that season three would be a little bit more straightforward than season two, as the creators had told us, no more of the crazy, tricksy timelines, it was really great to just get the information, the reveal on what was going on. And the big reveal, of course, being who's inside all of those bodies? Well, it's all Dolores. Dolores all day. But if you were looking for a little bit more of an emotional connection or character building, or perhaps you like the complexity of those twisty timelines and puzzle boxes, then you might fall on the other side of the line. So one critic says, This week, in a flurry of cross cuts across multiple planes of action, comes a mega reveal. But the twist feels like a cheat, just as the show's agonizing coyness about Charlotte's host identity felt like a cheat. On the other side, they say, no longer digressive or meandering, Westworld continues to move at a pace that's refreshingly brisk, revealing key twists early and keeping the focus on character development, action, and plot. And speaking of twists, a huge shout out to Elliot Todd, who said last week, before this episode, that his current theory is another Dolores. So from now on, we're just going to go off of what Elliot Todd tells us. He's got all the answers. I did not see that coming. I'll tell you my personal feelings. I was really kind of unsatisfied with all the options we threw around last time. We had discussed tons of different theories that were out there. Was it past hosts such as Teddy or Clementine or even Dolores' father? Could it be a real person such as the man in black and that's why the malfunctioning? Even could it be a portion of Dolores like she somehow extracted Wyatt out? And none of that felt quite right to me. I think it does feel right that it's all Dolores for multiple reasons. As she says in the form of Musashi in this episode, if you want a job done right, just do do it it yourself. yourself. Also, potentially she doesn't want to risk any other hosts and this way she just puts herself out there in multiple formats. You know, she doesn't have to, let's say, put Teddy through all of this again. Making me wonder, did she learn from that experience last season that we had with Teddy saying, You didn't give me a choice on this. You just wrote me into that. And I think that parallel is there when Musashi Dolores talks to Maeve and tells Maeve, did you really give any of them that option or did you just decide for all of them that they were going to the Valley Beyond? So I really like that as a reveal. I'm very happy that the creators gave that to us and we didn't have to spend weeks just guessing at that mystery that I didn't want to. I do think something is still a little bit lost for me in character development because it doesn't make me feel any more connected yet to Dolores. I'm still having that ongoing challenge of getting on board with her mission. Well, every week she seems more and more villainous. So I think it's going to be more difficult to get on board with what her attempts are. At least that's the way it seems right now. I think at this point, and 
Maybe we're meant to feel this way. I don't know who the good guy is. Maeve, I want to root for her because it seems like where she's coming from is the good angle. But look who she's doing it for. Serac. Or, I'm still holding on to Rehoboam as Serac. So, for the machine. She's working for another machine. Yeah, I'm going to have to slightly contest that, though, because I don't think she's choosing to act for Serac. She really doesn't have much of an option, and if given her choice, I'm hoping she will get that choice. That's not the way she goes, and maybe she even decides she's on Dolores' side with all of this. At this point, I don't know. Also, I really like your idea of who's the good guy, who's the bad guy, because those lines are very blurred, and I think intentionally so. It's not meant to be black and white. But I don't know if that's necessarily my struggle. Last season it was that Dolores felt ever more driven by vengeance and uncaring, even towards her own species. It's not necessarily that I see her that way this season. I think they're trying to blur the lines a bit more for us. It's more the fact that we have multiple copies of her running around out there and inside different bodies, and we don't Hmm. know are they all going to be the same, and how is this going to work? I'm losing the human element that it felt this show was propelling us towards. The AI is becoming more human, Hmm. and thus we connect with them more, but now it's kind of spinning farther out of my grasp where that's concerned. Yeah, that's no longer the angle for the hosts. I think we felt that strongest pull in season one. Mm -hmm. I think season two is when they started to diverge away from that. The question moving forward now is with, and I don't know the answer to this, with multiple Doloreses, more specifically Dolori, that's plural for Dolores. I I don't know if you knew that. So says Evan Rachel Wood. Does the value of her go down? Well, and not just the value, I want to stop you there because there was an excellent quote from the creators. Nolan talked to Hollywood Reporter and he said, We were carefully avoiding the idea of clones and copies of hosts in the first two seasons. If Dolores is infinitely copyable, is she still Dolores? One of the ideas we're most fascinated with is identity and agency. Is Dolores a computer program or a collection of her experiences, nature versus nurture? If we indulge in the idea of copies too early, the rules get threatened, and your investment in Dolores is also threatened. Now in our third season, a fascinating thing for us to explore is the other way of approaching the question of identity. If you take two copies of the same person, but set them on slightly different trajectories, would they remain the same person? Would they maintain the same goals? The version of Dolores who's been forced to pretend to be Hale? Has she absorbed any of Hale's methods of thinking? Any of who she was? Or could a natural consequence of being in different circumstances than the original Dolores be... They might not remain the same person. They might not even remain allies. It's something that's fun to play with. So the value as far as the investment, and Nolan agrees to that, but more so, sure, Dolores copied that same line of coding from herself and placed it into different pearls that she put into different bodies. Is that all of who Dolores is? We certainly have to believe as humans We're not just ones and zeros, as they were telling us in season two, right? We're not just our thoughts or stored data. We're a result somewhat of nurture, our experiences throughout life, our memories, our interactions. If the hosts are influenced by that too, that's certainly a fascinating further explanation of what they are. Rehoboam would disagree with you. Hmm. It is treating us like ones and zeros. I can know the future if I know their past and their present. But that is a good seed for thought because that changes what could possibly happen in the future. Maybe one of the Doloreses 
ends up teaming up with Maeve. Mm. You know, maybe one starts to decide this isn't the right way to go. Are we even sure that the one that's depicted as Dolores is the main Dolores? Mm -hmm. We don't know. It certainly seems like because of the evolution, the knowledge, her view of the world is almost jaded, cynical. You know, somebody that's been through really tough experiences or traumas. And they're starting to just wonder about everything. When she talks, you get that feeling, her connection with Caleb. You're hoping it is the main Dolores so that she can further have those revelations of what does it mean to be a human. Yeah. Whereas the one that's inside Hale's body, we commented when she was first created and brought to life, like, like seemed new. new, naive, not comprehending, and then was performing these actions, self-harming, reinvestigating the predator, it didn't feel like that version had all of Dolores's past experiences. And we have a clatcher later on that has a good theory about the Dolores that's in Hale. Mm. So just to clarify before we start to get into things, Mara wrote in and said, I only count four pearls in play right now. Yeah. Now, we saw that when Dolores escaped Westworld, got off the island last season with her brain ball inside of the Hale body, she was carrying five. So other than herself, regular Dolores, she had five pearls. Yes. All of which were black, by the way. Yeah. I don't know if that's something that's going to be a twist in the plot or if it's just a retcon of last season to say, no, one of them was always red. You just <laughs> missed that because we see that the red one is Bernard because he is a mix. There is some human of Arnold in there. However, even taking out the regular Dolores because she had her own pearl, there should still be five. And we have four accounted for. One is, yes, Bernard, the red one. The others, we find out this time around, the copies are Hale, Dolores, Martin Dolores, and Musashi Dolores, leaving one more unaccounted for. So when and how will we see that one? Well, if Bernard was correct, just too early, it's going to be Liam. I think he was wrong, though. I think he assumed that it was Liam because Liam is the person she could get to connected to Rehoboam. But she decided it was easier to go with the man pulling the strings behind the scenes who he probably wouldn't have known about, that being Martin. Okay. So I think they're all out there already. We just haven't discovered the fifth one. And I think it's going to be interesting to the plot. Absolutely. How that's going to work in because the reveal is all here minus that one. That's got to be the big thing. Now, coming to some fun facts before we get into our plot, we talked in our spoiler section last time about this title, where it comes from, Mother of Exiles. But in case you didn't listen to the spoiler section, this is how the Statue of Liberty is referred to by Emma Lazarus, the poet who wrote The New Colossus. And that was written for the pedestal of the Statue of Liberty, a bronze plaque that has her poem on it and refers to the Mother of Exiles as a symbol of immigration and opportunity. And we read that whole saying previously, but ending with, I lift my lamp beside the golden door and trying to figure out who could they be referring to? Is it Dolores? Is it Maeve? Who is the savior of this race and maybe of humanity? For music, we got a couple of notes. We had Hunter, which plays as Maeve and Serac are in Singapore in the restaurant. Higher Speed Club by Higher Brothers, before Maeve meets the mortician. The Hills, which plays as Dolores is fighting, but the really big one, Wicked Games, which was originally by The Weeknd, but we hear Ramin Jawadi's remix of that. Mm -hmm. So beautiful, playing during the party. I just love everything he does. And this one was all about games. We had a lot of callbacks this episode to season one and season two. 
and we probably missed a few, but here were some that stood out to us. When Dolores says to Bernard in the beginning of this episode, you live as long as the last person who remembers you. We heard that stated last season by Akichira when he whispers it to Stubbs. Yeah. And in the end of this episode, when we got the twist revealed to us, when Hale says to the man in black, you don't remember me, your oldest friend? Or when Martin says to Bernard, you don't recognize me, your only friend? That's a callback to Dr. Ford saying, hello, my old friend, (laughs) way back. And of course, that scene where Charlotte is shaving William in the mirror in his home is a major callback to Dolores shaving the man in black in season one. With a pretty intense knife. This isn't just a razor. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And lastly, when Logan said to young William, this place is the answer to that question you've been asking yourself, who you really are, is played as kind of a callback, not exactly, when Dolores asks the man in black in the final scenes to go ahead and ask that question, and he says, am I me? Those are very good bookends to the man in black story. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, we certainly have a lot to break down, and we do have some corrections, Clatcher's comments, and further clarification on some stuff we said last episode, because Jason, I think you and I jumped into some wild theorizing, sometimes based on nothing at all, because this is what we like to do here. We're not afraid to just put things out there or even have a little fun with it. You know, the everyone is Ford and Ford's going to come back around <laughs> at some point is almost half a joke between you and I. But we forget that some people didn't listen to us or follow us during season two. And if you didn't listen to our season two bonus, we didn't do a season three prepper. So we didn't fully clarify where we'd left off last time, the knowledge we know we're entering with this time around. So I definitely want to get to that in a little bit as it comes up. But first, let's jump into our synopsis. We're going to start out with the William and Hale interactions. So he wakes in an apartment seemingly in ruins, saying, I know who I am. I know what's real. And yet he hears Dolores calling to him. He's seeing his daughter, Emily. He sees blood and water dripping from the chandelier, wakes in a bathtub overflowing, and shoots the mirror. Emily tells him everyone who cared about him is dead because of him. And she asks, what if every choice you ever made isn't a choice at all? Would you even know if you'd been changed or if you were just another machine? She then hands him that card, and tells him to finish the game. Just as he's about to cut himself with it, Hale enters and convinces him that she is real. So, first of all, you said apartment. It's a mansion. Oh, I'm sorry. I (laughs) meant house. (laughs) Glorious house. So, I'm sure a lot of people were wondering, including Brian, where the F did the man in black come from? I Mm -hmm. thought they were putting his consciousness into a robot at the end of last season. Well, that's the wibbly-wobbly timelines. I think what we saw last season was actually further in the future... And this is the in-between? Oh, the creators even came out and said as much. That was a far distant future that we were seeing. Now, we don't know how long, and we don't know if there is going to be a change to Westworld. There was a lot of talk about would this third be the final season, which originally the creators had said they were aiming for five seasons, meaning they would have a lot more time to get to that far-flung future. And we had thought we might not even see the Man in Black at all this season. But if there's less time than they thought, they might be having to condense that a bit Mm. and bring us a little bit closer. And maybe that's why we're seeing more of the Man in Black here. But absolutely, if we think in a linear fashion, the Man in Black left off after the scuffle with Dolores in the park. Presumably that leaves him shaken. He comes out into the real world and he's still dealing with all of those thoughts that he was having when he was in the park. Did they get to me already? Am I already a machine? 
the fact that he shot his daughter because he didn't know if she was real. Still dealing with Juliet, his wife's suicide. This is all really haunting him. Yes, and we don't know this answer either. We don't know how he got back to his mansion. Mm -hmm. Who found him? Was he alive? If he is still human, was something implanted into his brain, into his maybe drip? If he's got one. That could have something to do with, at the very end, we see Hale Dolores pierce him with a very small needle in the neck. We don't know if that was activating something that's already inside of him. Is it a chemical they're putting into his blood? Are they stealing his blood? Because we do know that she wants to use him to get controlling shares of the company. And we saw from the example with Dolores helping to rob Liam's financial account, some people's blood has encryption keys in them. So she might have well just needed that encryption key so that she could go back and say, nope, he appointed a proxy. I'm his proxy. I can vote for him now as acting president. She doesn't need to do that because of the fact that she just deemed him crazy. Mm -hmm. And she's the next in line. So she didn't need to do that. Plus, if you remember, Dolores had to get a bunch, a lot of blood with a big needle. Yeah, this was just a prick. It was a prick. So I really believe that she implanted herself into his mind or into his drip, or what have you. And now she can haunt him whenever she wants. That would be something new for us. We have not seen that any kind of consciousness can be transferred through a bloodstream, including one incredibly small prick thus far. That's true, which leads to many other questions. Is he, if, if he isn't real already, then she can do that, just like Ford did with Bernard. I mean, he didn't do it with a needle, but... Well, exactly. So this is bloodstream we're talking about, not getting into somebody's brain ball. <laughs> yeah. Um, if he even has a brain ball. So I have a tendency to think it is more along, along the lines of a drug that's affecting his chip. Okay. It could be a hallucinogenic, like we see a lot of these new drugs people are going around trying alters their consciousness. And altering his consciousness could make him think he's seeing her. Uh, there's a lot of possibility there. There's a lot of questions surrounding the man in black. Which leads me to wonder if the depictions of Emily are caused by Dolores as well. Mm. To make him crazy so that she can do this final setup to regain control. If so, though, he was already starting to unravel a bit along these lines when he was in the park. Not necessarily seeing Emily in this way, Mm -hmm. but it seems to be a progression of that. This is where we get in trouble and where we get into the issues that people are having with Westworld. Because we don't know what to trust. Were all the scenes we saw last last season in regards to the man in black, was that all the loop that we were seeing where he's already a machine going crazy? They seem to specifically tell us no. I, in fact, think I remember a statement from the creators that that whole time we saw him going through the park was him as a human going through a park to exemplify that humans live on very similar loops and can't really control as much of their destiny as they think they can. Okay. So right up until the end there, we do have to believe he was human. It doesn't seem as though he's been changed over to host yet, but we don't know that for sure. Well, another important part to say about this scene, you know, Hale is trying to get the man in black motivated. He's clearly been there for quite some time, letting himself go. And she does this by telling him Serac will net a controlling interest in Delos. Because he sold data to his startup 20 years ago, Serac's now coming for the company William spent a lifetime building. And he wants the only thing left of value, the data in Sector 16. She has an investor who can help take the company private, but she needs his vote at tonight's emergency shareholder meeting. So he reluctantly agrees, 
gets shaved up with a little assistance from Hale and gets himself ready to go. Now, I forgot to mention, and it's worth mentioning even though a lot of articles wrote about this, but just in case you didn't read those, a cool Westworld visual depiction when the man in black feels the blood on his head, then looks up, and that's when the water starts coming down from the bathroom in the upstairs. The chandelier up there, when paused, looks very familiar to the six pearls. The it middle, sure does. Yeah, the middle one is red, and the outside ones are the darker black ones. I don't know if it's on purpose. I'm, I'm going to assume it is. It must be symbology. I didn't catch it the first time around, but looking back on that freeze frame, it is so beautifully a mimic yeah. of that very important theme we have going on, and just so many important themes being reinforced in these scenes by the man in black. Is he in control? Does being a human mean... He has choices because she kind of puts it to him, the vision of Emily. Either you're a sad human who is programmed in this way and you don't really have any control over yourself. Or maybe you're even already a host and you just can't come to terms with it. Otherwise, you do have agency and you made the choice and you killed me. (laughs) And that's something you need to deal with. But either way, I'm here as your penance. And he kind of makes that decision before he walks out the door. He says, I did make the choice to kill you. I did it because I thought you were a host, but it was my choice. He's very against the idea that he does not have any free will left. But that's kind of taken from him because after he walks out, we see that it's all been a setup. He's kind of ranting and raving and Hale says delusions aren't uncommon as a way to process grief or guilt. She quietly admits to him what's going on here. And as William starts to attack, the guards stop him. I want to tear you apart piece by piece. Get the fuck off of me. Get the fuck off of me. Don't hurt him. It's okay. I'm okay. It's not his fault. He's sick. I'm not sick. Don't you understand? This isn't Charlotte Hale. It's an imposter. A host. She's not real. None of this is real. None of this is fucking real. What the hell are you guys doing? You work for me, goddammit. You work for me. William, I told you. These aren't Delos employees. They work at a private mental health hospital. You need help. Now that you're being committed, I have to inform you that the board will deem you incompetent and all of your voting shares will transfer to the current acting president. Me. No. No! No! I promised I'd let you destroy yourself one day and here we are at last, she says, pricking him with that needle. And we'll come back to this end scene later on. I'm wondering to myself as a slight aside, has mental health changed in all of these many, many years? And we know that parts of it have, clearly. They've advanced with the technology because we see Caleb talking to a virtual therapist that's a recreation in some ways of his friend that he lost. But the way we function here right now, unless she had some other proof of this going on, the guards just getting a glimpse of him kind of talking in that way wouldn't be enough to qualify to just get him committed to a mental hospital like that. No, I'm sure she has a lot behind that, behind Mm -hmm. that that we don't know about. Let's go over next to Maeve and Sarek. He wakes Maeve up in the real world in Singapore, hoping she's had enough time to reconsider. Forgetting there's a lot that she doesn't know, he reflects he would have liked to show her Paris, where he grew up with his brother, but there's nothing left to see. Like you, I know what it is to see a world disappear in the blink of an eye, he says. And we see a flashback to October 9th, 2025, Paris, where there's a thermonuclear explosion. There's some sort of mushroom cloud in the distance. 
fires in the city, and a young Serac is inside of a field with a dead deer on the ground and men in hazmat suits beckoning to him. So this leads me back to one of the possibilities we were saying last episode, which I really hope this isn't the case because it kind of makes everything not weigh as much. But if there was a huge nuclear war and the world as we knew it is broken, just like the cover of Westworld Season 3 looks like, and we're all in a simulation right now, even in this episode, there's still a lot of things that we saw that leads to that theory. But I hope it's not the case. It does lead you to believe this is different, though, when Serac first talked to Maeve. He woke her up in this place that seemed very different. The setting, their conversation, he told her it's not real. Now he wakes her up and tells her this is the real world, but there are still some strange things that we're going to get to in a second. Here he tells her it exists now only in my mind, so you'll forgive my loyalty to my kind. It's hard won. I've waited many years for you and Dolores and the others to arrive, but you're not really the threat I worry about. Humanity's biggest threat has always been itself. I've been trying to control that. Negotiate a way into the future. But to do that, I needed to understand humanity. So I created the most comprehensive picture of human behavior ever seen. And yet, it's still incomplete. Imagine my surprise when I discovered that someone had put together a more complete portrait, a map of the human mind, <laughs> created in a theme park of all places. And Dolores has the key to all of that data. Well, this goes back to what you were saying. Now there is an answer to it, which I'm glad because your question carried weight. It was a good question. If he already had basically the recording, the recordings of every human being and could remap them, what is it in these files that he's missing? And now we know it's the actual map of the brain. Yeah, we got somebody <laughs> right in to um, very pointedly ask us what's not to understand here. <laughs> Uh, didn't you watch season two where they were following these people in the park to figure out how they would behave if there were no consequences to their actions? Of course, we recall that. However, it seems it's more than that because if Serac was tracking these people before the privacy law, before they knew they were being watched, he was still getting indications of their behavior down to a complete transcript of when Caleb was a child in a diner, what was going on with his mother, they have a lot of data. They have a lot of information already on people. What more was being looked for on the human side of things? There's something about this blueprint of the mind that Ford was able to get in Westworld that they're not able to get here just by surveilling people. Something about actually looking inside of their brain that he sees differently. Remember the hats? Yeah, of course. Of course, but that means behavior isn't everything. Absolutely. So we're getting a lot of indicators of what is and isn't humanity. Is it just your data, the information about you, your behavior and how you act? Is it biochemical and nature and brain activity? Is it nurture? Is there a spirit or something more? I think we're digging in a lot of different angles at people are more than, more than just that. And it's harder to map a blueprint of them than we thought. So Serac needs it. He needs it. He wants it. And he's going to do anything in his power to get it. He also tells Maeve, well, after you do all this stuff for me, I'm going to help you out. But no, no, we, we can't exist together in this world. 
That'll never work. When I said I'll give you something, I meant you can have a future in the sublime. Robot heaven, which is after all not really a great deal depending on, how, depending on who has the encryption key to get in there. We see how badly he's trying to get to it now. How do you make that a place that's never accessible to humans that they couldn't go in with and mess with you again? And we see to Dolores, that's not enough. Mm. This world is what she's after, and he's saying they can never coexist. Now that in itself, I didn't feel was good enough to prompt Maeve to go ahead and fight for him just to see her daughter again. I didn't think that was enough value for her because she has so many other values in her and she wants to fight for the hosts. So for her to go after one host or multiple hosts, I didn't think that was enough weight. But once we get the scene with Musashi, at this point, it's more than enough for Maeve to... Well, you're talking like you think Maeve has been voluntarily working for Serac, and I don't think that's the case. He's been shutting her on and off at will Uh, True. And saying, essentially, you have two choices. You can work for me and accomplish this thing where you go to get to be with your daughter and the rest of your kind. Or you could sit in this cage (laughs) until you do what I want. And I'm going to keep pausing and playing you while Dolores plays out her game. And you have no idea what happens to the rest of your kind. She doesn't have a choice there. True. Um. And it gets even more complicated in the next scene. He takes her to the place where the system traced a divergence three months ago, to Arnold's house, where they see the equipment and the machine for printing hosts. And he shows her the tablet with the print log, indicating five unauthorized hosts and unidentified HCUs, control units, telling her, essentially, she stole pearls for her allies and she wasn't one of them. Eh, Little does he know, no one else was one of them. Yeah, well, little does anybody know right now. And in the back room, he's keeping a man tied up, Zhang, an identity broker, a middleman who orchestrated the payment from an offshore account of a wealthy man who drowned in his pool to Dolores. Yeah, we've met him. (laughs) And putting the glasses on him, he gives him the required motivation, showing him what would happen to his family if he doesn't help. So he finally spills the information, saying Dolores needed five identities, so he sent her to the mortician. And with that, Serac kills him, claiming he was a traitor to his kind. This is where Maeve gets that threat. Eternity with your daughter or stuck in a cage. So that's when we see the move over to Maeve walking down the streets of Singapore on her own. And as she passes vendors, TV screens short. Audio frequencies change. Lights flicker. What's happening here? She's got power here too? So that's my question. She had power within Westworld. Mm Mm-hmm. Because her abilities were amped up, and she was able to control other hosts using that power. Number one, is that power still turned up out here in the real world? Number two, would that transfer to anything electronic, mechanical? I mean, everything she is passing and seemingly choosing to affect, she can. That's not something that we were previously aware of. No. Does this indicate it's a simulation, that she has the ability to do stuff like that? I don't know. Or Serac gave her a game genie. Right. And she's actually more powerful than Dolores now in certain ways, and we just don't know it. Now, we are going to see them come up against it in a fight, hand-to-hand combat later. And she seemingly gets the better of Maeve. But I don't know. It's just an interesting thing here to maybe tip us off. Well, Maeve approaches two men looking for her contact. And when they try to blow her off, she kicks their asses, (laughs) shoots one, and is taken to the mortician. Played by Elizabeth Ann Weiss. Now, my friend, 
Laura Espin. The blood I sold her belonged to a girl named Laura Espin. And what about the others she was with? Whose blood did you give them? She didn't ask for more blood. She asked me to smuggle out bodies, but that's not my business. So I sent her to the Yakuza. They helped your friend move those bodies. What if you don't mind? I'd like an introduction. Yakuza, which are, of course, members of a transnational organized crime syndicate that originated in Japan. And they adopted samurai-like rituals, different things that we're going to see play out over the course of this episode. We're going to leave Maeve there for right now and come back to her because we get a divergence in Victorville. This podcast is brought to you by MyBookie. Sports have come to a screeching halt with basketball benched and pitchers off the mound. But our friends at MyBookie aren't going to let it get you down. Stay sane and stay entertained with access to your favorite games like blackjack, roulette, slots, war, and more. It doesn't matter whether you're out on the front lines or quarantined at home. The fun doesn't have to come to an end with MyBookie. Video poker not your thing? They've got you covered with a host of live casino dealers online. That's right. They have professional dealers at their tables, live on-site, 24-7. MyBookie has partnered with some of the leading esports brands to bring you wagers on virtual action, straight from the court in NBA 2K20. In the absence of live sporting events, MyBookie has launched a state-of-the-art selection of simulated sports driven by AI to twitch.tv slash NBA 2 k Westworld meets MyBookie. You can trust the industry leaders in times like these. They're reliable, upright, and best of all, they pay fast when you win. And there's more than just sports. You can place your wager on political bets, current events and current affairs such as World Car of the Year, or first organization to send humans to Mars, SpaceX, NASA, or other choices. And for our listeners, you can visit mybookie.ag and use promo code CKC for a 150% bonus on your first casino deposit. That's mybookie, M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E dot A-G and use promo code CKC to receive a 150% cash bonus on your first deposit. And you can claim those extra funds all the way up to $750. You spin, you win, you get paid. Support us by supporting MyBookie. Where Bernard is having a flashback to Dolores bringing him back, waking him in Arnold's house, he thinks. But he soon realizes that wasn't real. He was being questioned somewhere else. Dolores says to him, you taught me anything was possible. We could be whoever we want. Isn't that what you believe? So then we see him having a bunch of images. They seem to be present time mixed with flashbacks. First, he's walking by and you see two rockets landing. It's kind of a strange thing because we haven't seen that happen. They're descending down to Earth. And then a second later, there's another one taking off. So seemingly we have mastered in the future the ability to do that. Space travel, yeah. So Elon Musk is doing that currently. It's not the entire spaceships. It's the thrusters, the main thrusters, the most energy you need to get out of our atmosphere. Mm -hmm. Those used to be really expensive. They still are. But use once, that's it. Yeah. And it burns out. Musk found a way to make it where they go up, they do their job, and there's still enough left to have them land where they need to. Oh, I didn't even know they figured out how to do that. Yeah, remember on our Patreon, 
it's got to be over a year ago now. I was telling you, I watched them do the test mm-hmm. live and it was very inspirational. Yeah. They showed the, the rocket's landing. It was, it was beautiful. Wow. So that's exactly what's happening. It looks like it's frequent now. It's like second nature to go up. So frequent that it made me think about when we talked about, are there space stations? Ah. That certain people live on and maybe back and forth travel is just a normal thing now. I can see that happening. Yeah. Hmm. But those images are mixed with Bernard flashing back to his child as he sees a different child in the park. We're not quite sure of the significance. They're really quick clips. Yeah. And I don't know if I like this anymore with Westworld. We're so inundated with weird things that we don't know what it means. We don't know if we trust it. We don't know if it's real. Is Bernard just freaking out again? (laughs) It gets to be a little bit much at times. Yeah, I agree. And even when we get a reveal like we do in this episode, you're still going, yeah, but what else? (laughs) Yeah, but the fifth pearl. Yeah, but what if it's a simulation that changes everything? I kind of think that's why some people are getting frustrated. My theory is correct and you have no idea what you're talking about. And I'm seeing a lot of negative reviews and negative conversation going back and forth. Yeah, I think we have to remember, especially if you're watching Westworld, and not just to our podcast, other podcasts out there, other reviews, no one really knows what's going on. But ourselves and everyone else needs to feel confident enough to have fun and give our ideas Mm -hmm. without... Feeling pressured like, well, maybe I shouldn't say anything because if I'm wrong or if someone doesn't like that. Sure. It's a complicated show and the creators absolutely want us to be doing this. Whether or not they said it's going to be more straightforward this season, (laughs) there's still so many tricks clearly to keep you guessing at it. Stubbs is Dr. Ford. Don't talk about Dr. Ford. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Kidding or not, apparently people don't understand and we're going to get in big trouble. Anyway, returning to the room Bernard's staying in with Stubbs in a hotel, Stubbs tells him that whatever mobility he had left, he lost after their five-mile swim to the shore. We didn't get to see that part. If Nate Diaz can swim that far, machines can swim that far. Oh, I'm sure they can, but this is the justification why Stubbs isn't at 100%. Nope. One of his arms, he's lost almost all mobility. Yeah, because Hemsworth lost a lot of mobility. In real life, I think he had he? an injury. Oh, yeah! I wow, I didn't know that. Accounting for some of this. Ooh. Um, because Bernard kind of brushes it off, saying, "Well, we don't have the time or materials to fix you right now." He does check his button, his magic freeze button that he's got, and it works on Stubbs. Just built it. Bernard's the man. Stubbs certainly doesn't think so. <laughs> Fuck you, Bernard. <laughs> yeah. Listen. You get me close to the host she made of Liam Dempsey. I'll get him to tell us the other humans Dolores copied and then disable him completely. I think I know where he'll be. Wait. (laughs) You hacked the richest technocrat in the world. No, his security's too tight. So I hacked his car service. How about a night out on the town? see now everybody going towards the party. First, Dolores helps Caleb to get suited up for yeah. their mini mission. Now you know I love these little things. I want that mirror. That thing's awesome. This was my favorite scene. And it's in very the episode. Yeah, it's great. It's very Grand Theft Auto. Everyone's saying that. I don't mind it. I guess some people did. 
But what a lot of people didn't pick up is the name of that place. Oh, I have heard a lot of other podcasts referencing this, though. God damn it. Well, I want to give credit because where I found it was on Business Insider, an article that caught a bunch of really cool details that were maybe harder to see, and this was one of them. So I just want to shout them out. Well, the shop was called Friston Custom Clothiers, and that's named after Carl Friston, who is a real-life neuroscientist who has done his work mapping the human mind. Yeah. Sound familiar? And he's actually theorized about the metric that we will someday use to measure an AI sentience. Yeah, based on his free energy principle and how that would be utilized with AI. So this is a cool one of many little word plays that the creators are going to do over the course of the episode. But I just really want the ability <laughs> to try on different outfits yeah, just by looking in it and see how it would fit. No, not this color. This isn't right. I like that too. And I also like Dolores's comment about it where she says it's tribal. They use plumage to identify themselves, which makes them easily fooled. If you look the part, you'll blend in a little bit better. This reminds me of, and you're going to be like, what? This reminds me of the Titanic. Where Jack's got to get himself cleaned up. Where Jack is cleaned up. He's at that party for the first time. And there's the older woman. I forget their names now. It's been years. Who is, quote unquote, the new money. Mm. Who didn't grow up in that environment. And she can relate to him the most. And she says, in so many words, something very similar to that. Mm -hmm. And it's, of course, more than just that. But that is a factor and one that's under their control. So Dolores is going to try to check off as many boxes as she can. By the way, back to this mirror. Internet shopping will be even more prevalent in the future if people have this kind of mirror at home where they can shop for anything on any website and look into that mirror and see what it'll look like. Just imagine that. It's pretty cool. So we get a little sidebar here to see how Dolores checks the next box because... There's a scene of Martin telling Liam he needs money to pay off the bribes, replace the men that they lost. In order to do that, he needs Liam's hash key transferred over to him so that he can be the proxy for the offshore accounts. Essentially, put me in charge of all your money. And Liam's trying to delay. It doesn't even necessarily seem like he's super bothered by the request. But Martin really puts it to him, saying the key to a happy life is to accept your place in it. They both should just do what they do best. And so Liam signs. This is where Dolores takes Caleb to Anderson Private Equity, where the rich keep their money. Another little wink-wink to the Matrix. Mm. Yeah, she attacks an employee, Michael, takes some of his blood containing the encryption key they need to pull this stunt off, and injects it into Caleb. Instructing the blood markers should be good for another 15 minutes, but that will degrade faster if he's not calm. Yeah, the blood will pump more. His identity as Mr. Tritter is confirmed with an initial fingerprint check. Caleb says he needs to make a transfer on behalf of his client, Mr. Dempsey, and Dolores produces that hash key, so presumably they have everything they need. The biometric identification that he's this guy, Tritter, the hash key. By the way... We see, and we don't really see, thanks to somebody else for that screen capture, the full amount of his funds, $315 billion. Wow. That's an awful lot of cash they took from him. I could use that. Now, you said fingerprint before we get yelled at. No, I just clarified biometric identification. It just looks like... using his finger touched on the tablet. There you go. If I literally have to break all of this (laughs) stuff down, I'm I'm going to start going crazy. (laughs) Anyway, 
They ask for it again. And this is where there's a very tense moment because we know the clock is ticking. Caleb does it the first time and it doesn't get a read. It's not positive or negative. They just have to do it again. He manages to calm himself down. And luckily, the second time it works. I don't know. To me, it seemed pretty obvious. Like the teller should read it on their faces. They were like, not. Man, you guys are intense right now. Being very, after all the work they went through, the easiest part is regulating your own presentation. And they were just terrible at that. <laughs> um, but also, I didn't really feel an awful lot of tension that this wasn't going to work. No. There didn't seem to be a lot of stakes in it. Like they wanted me to worry that the second scan wasn't going to go through. Not a lot of stakes, but a lot of cheddar. Oh, Jesus. Okay. So (laughs) Liam goes to the party where his friends apologize for Lara. We find out she had supposedly died of an overdose. His friend Roderick gives him a brand new invention. They call it Genre, a digital psychopharma hybrid. Once it hits your implants and is into your bloodstream, well, we don't really know what happens, but we see later that it almost looks like a sedative. They become very complacent mm-hmm. in the end when there's a fight between Dolores and Stubbs. Like, and wow, this shit's good. One woman's watching. She's like, okay. And she's like, oh, that's the girl. This stuff is good. Yeah, but she doesn't care. And she doesn't care. No. That she just saw someone thrown over a balcony. And I'm wondering if drugs like this are produced, put out there intentionally for people to get on them because it makes them more complacent more moldable, less likely to want to rebel or oh, wow. care about much of anything, in fact. Well, while you're high, at least, for sure. Yeah, but you would assume, you know, this guy's saying, oh, you got to try this stuff. Hmm. This is making its way around. Now, I was a little confused because we know that the title of the next episode is going to be genre. So will that have a different meaning or is it, in fact, the same drug that's going to be a much bigger deal next time around? Anyhow, Liam is watching as people on platforms are being bid on for charity. Mm. You know, don't feel too bad. Sex commerce, it's, it's all for good cause. Well, it's very familiar to Westworld. But instead of hosts being bid on, it's actual humans. Mm-hmm. And even a similar comment from Roderick, who tells him all sex is commerce. If you don't know that, you're just being billed indirectly. Now Dolores and Caleb enter, donning masks, as Liam tries to bid on the woman and is told his account has been denied. Going to look for Martin to figure that out, Bernard grabs him and tries to enter him into diagnostic mode, quickly realizing Dolores hasn't changed him. That was kind of funny. (laughs) It was a good moment of humor. They urge Liam to come with them because he's in danger, but as they try to leave the building, Dolores intercepts and fights Stubbs, commanding Caleb to follow Bernard outside. The fight is seemingly well-matched for a few moments until, well, Dolores throws him over the balcony. Now, something to note, Liam this whole time is donning a white mask, while Dolores, Stubbs, Caleb, and Bernard have black masks. Mm -hmm. So very good versus evil. Oh, okay. So you read this as good versus evil. I was wondering if it was a host versus human thing. Now that we've finally figured out, During this episode, of course. No, Liam is human. They haven't changed him yet. Does that mean the others are hosts? But that goes back to the theory we never liked that would include Caleb in that group. So I don't know if I love that, but that's the first place my mind went to. We don't know at this point what has happened in between those times. Yeah, and then Bernard should be black and white, huh? In that event. 
Yeah. Well, he's essentially is good. And he's a mix yeah. of host and human. So I don't, yeah, I don't know. There, There is this color symbology bleeding throughout the course of the season. And I don't think I like any of those options that we've brought up as far as what it could mean yet. Well, and outside the party, Bernard wonders why Caleb is helping her until Martin comes out, telling Liam to run, sending Caleb after him. And to Bernard, he says, we were wondering when you'd show up. Bernard thinks they're keeping Liam in play because they need him for something. So they changed Martin instead. He says, who are you really? Who would she have trusted? And she responds, she's surprised after all their time together. He doesn't recognize his only friend. We still haven't had the reveal within episode yet. It's not going to come until these next scenes with Maeve. And then they'll start, you know, piecing it all together, everyone figuring out, oh, it's Dolores. <laughs> <laughs> so in the next parts with Maeve, the mortician takes her to the Aitidoshin Distillery. Now, this has, of course, been shouted out by many other podcasts. And credit to Joanna Robinson, who I think was the first one to talk about it which she called out that the term is a Buddhist one, meaning many in body, one in mind. So I did some further digging into that because the symbolism on the surface is very clear. It's a foreshadow to, yeah, there's a lot of different host-looking bodies running around out there, but they're all Dolores. But the term actually goes a little bit deeper than that. It's recognized within Buddhism as a vital human value. They believe that reality cannot be found without genuine unity to other people, respecting each other and working in harmony. Thus, each person must set aside attachment to the self and accomplish a profound inner transformation, human revolution. Wow. So the self, the individual, is not what's really important. We need to be connected to everyone else and to realize that only in our harmony and our unity can we truly achieve anything. And then we transcend humanity. We have the human revolution. So I wonder if this is supposed to indicate that the AI, the hosts, have done this already. To Dolores, they are sort of all one. Or is that something she's missed by only copying herself into all of these and not taking the other hosts into consideration? I think that's a point, again, that we're going to keep coming back to. I like that. Well, the mortician tells me the new boss... Sato and his men are insane. <laughs> but when the first wave of guards comes, pulling their self-aiming guns, Maeve easily commands the guns to divert, causing them to shoot each other. Man, everything is relied upon computers. Mm. We can't even... Gangsters can't even aim the gun without computer help. I'm afraid I might not hit my target. This will just ever so slightly make me better. Well, and Maeve even says, I'm afraid you don't speak its language. She fights a last man with a sword, piercing a cask in the process that begins to drip that familiar milky substance. So that leads you to question, what else is Dolores planning? Is she using this form of herself and the Yakuza and their money and their locations to start creating hosts outside in the real world? Sure. I think that each person she has... I think that each version of herself she has conveniently placed in order to carry out a separate essential part of the plan. So Martin is there to influence Liam because that's a direct tie to Serac and Rehoboam. Here, if she wants more hosts to be able to be created, 
She has a team of men at her disposal, one who can get done less than savory operations, who already have this fake distillery where they can actually be producing or importing or whatever they're doing with this substance. But that leaves me with two questions. Number one, you would still need pearls. Well, that's why she's got hail. Right, Go, because you, control you'd have to get a whole bunch of them out. So far Delos. as we know, you the one thing you cannot do yet is produce your very own new pearl. At least not outside of the park, not what we've seen able to do. You can put that pearl into differently printed bodies. Apparently, you can even reprogram the pearl somehow, wipe out the original data, and put Dolores' brain onto the <laughs> pearl, copied several times. That was a new one we didn't know till this episode. But you can't yet make a new one. So perhaps that's what they're doing, preparing here while she's got Hale going to get the pearls. Main control of Delos. So that she can create an army? Yeah, have backup? seems that way. So, you know, that would still leave the initial question we opened up with. Who is the fifth body? Where are they placed? What is their part of this whole mission to accomplish? Dolores, number five. When the boss finally appears, Maeve recognizes him. It's Musashi, Shogun World's counterpart for Hector. And he asks her if Maeve really ever gave any of them a choice. Like we said before, Hector, Clementine, her daughter. But Maeve soon realizes it's not Musashi. And she wonders, who is inside of you? She thinks at first, is that you, Teddy? But then says, the other pearls, I just assumed you brought someone else, but you just made copies of yourself, haven't you? And that is the first true reveal within episode. And then they start cutting to the other people realizing that. Maeve thought Dolores was going to build a new world for them, but she just wanted one for herself, she thinks. Musashi Dolores says, well, she can't let Serac use Maeve against them. So they fight, ending up in Maeve being stabbed. And Musashi is about to use the sword to take out Maeve's pearl? Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. And hold on to it, because I think Maeve isn't seeing the full picture yet. I think at this point, Dolores is creating a world with multiple Dolori until she has full power and full control. And then I think that's when she's going to do the liberating. But does this show that she values Maeve? Came to that realization last season in the park that you're right, just because we have a difference of opinion here, we should each be entitled to do what we want to do and Maeve could be useful in her plan or if nothing else, she can't let Serac keep controlling her. Either way, if it's that important, why does she leave it? She has to get out quick. Oh, I understand that. But if this is the whole purpose, we got to get to Maeve. We can't keep letting him have an instrument to get at us. She could have taken the whole body, taken the pearl out later. There's a million things she could have done. That's true. It's very bizarre hmm. that she just winds up leaving because you have to assume Sarak's just going to bring her back and continue this job all over again. Of course. But she doesn't. And we leave off on this final scene with Maeve lying on the ground, her blood mixing with the milky substance. Westworld again giving us a beautiful picture there. Beautiful scene. And I thought there was some symbolism there because we have the milky substance. Yeah, we don't know what to call that host fluid, amniotic fluid, whatever the heck it is. Behind Maeve, and that's what creates the hosts. But then in front of Maeve is the blood, which reminds me again of that video I was telling you about where I got to see all three of the opening season's title sequence. The first one being... The milk, second one water, third one blood. Is that a depiction of the future of the hosts dying? Becoming more human? 
No, were dying. dying. I think the water was becoming more human. Season two. Oh, I'm going to disagree with you on that one. I thought that the blood was more human, and that's why the human hybrid pearls we see are red. Are red. Okay. Yeah, I can see that too. Um, the water I saw, I saw more as an awakening. Okay. You might be right. Almost like a baptism, a waking up to realizing of what you are. I think maybe I just had a negative connotation to it because Maeve was dead on there. But you might be right. Well, death in a permanent sense, as the host told us in season two, is a very human thing. And there has to be some permanence for something to mean anything. That's something Dolores actually came to see Mm. and covet. Well, in the very last scene is William inside of this room, now dressed in an all-white uniform, the very empty room, and he's seeing Dolores in that original dress. She says, you're a prisoner of your own sins. I guess you've reached the center of your maze, William. But the maze is about understanding. You still don't even understand who you are. If any of this was your choice, wouldn't you already know? That's when he asks, am I me? And she responds, welcome to the end of the game. Well, again, Westworld, thanks a lot. You did not tell us. (laughs) But I'm curious to see where they go with him, or is that it for now? And is it weird that I actually feel bad for him? Of course not. We had a lot of mixed feelings about the man in black. When we talk about needing to feel that connection to people, you know, this is why we joke so often about Ford, because he had a ton of human gray area, and it really made us feel for him. Lee Sizemore started off as such a degenerate and wound up coming so far being able to really change. Even Bernard feeling like he has a lot of those Arnold elements in him were able to connect to the humanity. And I think the man in black is no different. Yeah, and if you remember William in season one, young William, he was a, he was a white hat. He was good. Mm-hmm. He has gone the other direction. This game of Fords has really twisted his brain ball. Oof. So yeah, we got a ton of big reveals. We have many, many more questions. And we're halfway through the season, believe it or not. That takes us to our reverie rating for this episode. On a scale of 1 to 10, Jason, what do you give episode 4? You know, with Westworld, I'm never bored. I'm often overstimulated with questions, thoughts, ideas, theories. And this one is a lot of the same. There's so many positives with this episode. But once the episode finished, I felt something different. I I felt this wasn't my favorite episode of the season. We had a reveal. That was great. But uh, I still don't know how that reveal is going to play out. Mm. I don't know if it was a smart move. Knowing Westworld, it probably is going to be a good thing if they play their cards right. We have a lot of Dolores is still winning. But this is the first half of the season, and I anticipated this. First four episodes, for sure, we're going to have Dolores is kicking ass. But I have a feeling as the second half starts to roll in, Dolores might be getting some bruises. It might be losing some battles. But I think the issue I'm having is I don't know who to root for. And I said this before. And I'm wondering if that's going to keep changing, too. Am I going to start rooting for Maeve and then realize what Serac is up to and then start rooting for Dolores again? Who knows? But I am excited for it. So that was my long-witted explanation for 8.3 Reveries. Right there with the Rotten Tomatoes score. Rotty Tease. Yeah, I'm going to have to go ahead and agree with you. I was at an 8.8 last time. I'm going to give it an 8.3 also for episode four. 
Explain to me why, because obviously I just had so much trouble relaying why I felt that way. It's it's exactly what you were saying about not quite knowing who to root for, not having as much connection to the characters. I was so happy to see the man in black on screen, despite his downfalls and his character flaws, just because I am connected to him. I care about what happens to him in his storyline. And I was starting to feel that way a couple episodes ago about Caleb to see him so entirely brought over to Dolores' side and not at least pushing her to question things a little bit more mm. or being that counterpoint we had hoped to see, I think, was a bit of an emotional loss for me. And then I really liked seeing Maeve on screen again, but she's in such control by Serac and winds up kind of losing this battle of the war. Yeah. Plus, yeah, I think the reveal of the Dolores, while it made a ton of sense, and I do appreciate that more than some of the other answers just didn't didn't pack the punch that maybe they wanted it to. Yeah, maybe that's it. But I don't know why it didn't pack the punch. I think because, as we had said previously, that's not really the mystery that interested us. Mm. And maybe they knew that, and that's why they answered it early. The classic TV story thing will give you some answers, but we're going to keep a lot more hidden. That way the rest of the season is exciting. So... Long game-wise, that really might work out better in the end. Right now, I think we're left confused as ever (laughs) with Westworld. (laughs) Embrace the confusion. So let's find out what our Clatchers thought. Every week via Twitter, at CKC Podcast, we ask our Clatchers, who is your MVB, most valuable being? This week, we gave you Dolores, of course, Maeve, Bernard, and the man in black. Coming in at last place, poor Bernard, with (laughs) 1.9%. Bernard. Oh, I mean, he just can't win right now. I feel like last year was a was a loss for Bernard, and uh, he's still trying to I find his footing. I want to see him get his shit together in the worst way. Not this episode, though. Coming in third place with 7.7% was the man in black. Well, again, I mean, he lost the game. Dolores has won this battle and foreseeably the rest of the battles with the man in black at this point. Do we have to start calling him the man in white now? I know. (laughs) Oh, it's rough seeing him in that position. I wonder if they're going to leave him off here for a while and just keep us guessing, or if he's going to figure into the rest of this season more heavily. I don't think so. And in second place, with 21.2%, is Maeve. Again, I have a feeling uh, she is going to win some of these episodes for sure. It was great to see her on screen kicking some butt. Her fight scenes are great. I just love some of her lines. You don't speak its language, I'm afraid. Yeah. You have to see her Instagram. Uh, (laughs) It's so funny. She make up two eyes under her chin, put two dots on her actual chin, and then went upside down, put a sweater over her mouth. It looks like a face from the chin up, and it's just funny. She's The things you do when you're bored at home, I suppose. (laughs) But coming in first place, yet again, with 69.2% is Dolores. It's obvious right now. And at this point, it's almost laughable that we have MVB. <laughs> I other disagree. I'm going to fight my point later. Okay. <laughs> no, I feel you. But it's Dolores time right now. For it sure. is. Yeah. I mean, in an episode with four Doloreses, mm-hmm. it, is, it is a bit hard to argue it. But let's see what the Clatchers had to say about it. We know, of course, who Kirk's going to be voting for. He says, I do like a woman in charge. So there's no question I voted for Dolores. All five of her. We don't know if there's five yet, Kirk. We got the main one, three more, maybe a fourth one. 
Don't jump the gun. He says, I've been team Dolores since season one, episode one. Just waiting for Jason and Christina to catch up. Are you there yet? Oh, ye of wavering loyalties? <laughs> well, in fairness, I've given it to her once for MVB this season. You twice. And the poll three times. So she's getting some love. Yeah, Kirk. But I think, you know, I, I am team Maeve. I've pronounced it. And Lewis says, Maeve should get all the MVBs. I'm kind of tired of Dolores' shit. <laughs> and now we've got to deal with three more. Team Maeve. Woo! Nice. Elliot Todd says, it amazes me that Delos people at the park consider Maeve a better asset because of her high-level narrative, whereas no one even notices Dolores is gone since she's just a rancher's daughter. I still don't know what the reasoning is going to be behind that, that Serac and Rehoboam were really tracking Maeve and they sort of said they'd been surprised a bit by Dolores. Because then in this episode, he says, I've been waiting for the two of you to come to your storyline. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine that nobody knew what was going on with Dolores? That is kind of what they're leading you to believe right now, though. Sherry Ava says, My pick for number one is Maeve, who I hope will rise again like the Phoenix. Tandy Newton is a fearless badass and a great adversary to Dolores. She's uncovered Dolores' tracks and discovered the one identity of the five pearls. Maeve's values are most human. At this point, they are. And if you remember last year, we were rooting more for her than Dolores. Yeah, we, we had said we felt that connection to her because of what was going on with her daughter, her relationship with Lee, which they brought back to pull on your heartstrings this season, yeah. what was going on with Hector. We can empathize with her plight, but also with Bernard's, and the Viking says, poor Bernard. It seems like the one constant in his existence is that he always loses. No. <laughs> and Kirk says, yes, that's why we've even christened him Bumbling Bernard. <laughs> I still love him. Linda Meyer saying, Dolores is my queen, but Tessa Thompson is an, is an incredible actor. The voice, the everything. Joe Parks, the quintuple sleeved. And I laughed at that too. And Kirk caught on. Joe is uh, referencing Altered Carbon, oh, okay. which has uh, similar ideas yeah. and parallels to it. Sure. And just as confusing, believe me. Sherry Ava says, in true Westworld fashion, the last 10 minutes of the show flipped everything on its head for Ed Harris, Bernard, and Maeve. Maybe she will be resurrected because Zarak's men were closing in and Musashi Dolores didn't have time to grab her. Yeah, I think that's for sure. I mean, there's, oh, she's there's no way back. he's not going to continue to use her. Everyone would be pissed if that was the end of her. Yeah. But she also says, my second pick is Dolores, who reveals more plans as she takes over both Delos and Insight and neutralizes the threat posed by Serac. Evan Rachel Wood is impressive and invincible. Her talk with the man in black at the end is poignant. Elliot Todd says, question for Christina. Since William was so haunted by him killing his daughter, does that mean William was not a complete sociopath, irredeemable, and that in his core, he wears the white hat? And that's why William was in white at the end of the episode. That's so funny. I just made a reference to calling him the man in white. I think that is the whole point to getting the young William backstory of him in the park with Logan to show that in the beginning, at his heart, he really wasn't a bad person. He's been corrupted by this game, by this maze that Ford has constructed and everything he's found out while in the park. Is he redeemable? I suppose that is the question, but I think bringing him back in this way and showing him in this position by the end of the episode has to at least make us think that's possible and play with the notion. Mara says, holy plot twist, Batman. So did not see that coming. I didn't think that was even possible. Oh boy, my head hurts. Hmm. Yeah. Our head hurts after every episode. 
Marion says, how funny is it that every time Caleb asks Dolores something, she gives him she gives him an obscure response that we as viewers understand, but must leave poor Caleb more confused than when he asked. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what is he thinking right now, you know? And welcome. She just started following us. So welcome to the crew. So Jason, who's MVB for you? I'm uh, sorry. I'm just going to go with Dolores in this one. It's the obvious. The man in black. It was so good to see him back on screen. Oh man, Ed Harris's acting is amazing. But everything that evolved this episode was Dolores's making. So it has to go to her. Well, I'm glad that you and the poll gave it to her so that I can give it to the man in black. I agree that she's winning right now. If you go by who's winning, that's certainly the case. If you go by what we've talked about in the past of who's pushing this plot line forward, this was a major wrench thrown into things. I did not expect to see him back this soon in the season. It does leave me with a lot of questions of what happened to him getting out of the park. What is that future we see at the end of season two? But all of these parallels we continue to draw with, have they figured out human identity in a way that feels satisfying? Are they truly able to map us and predict us? The man in black is almost the surrogate for us as the audience. He's grappling with all of those same questions Am I programmed? Am I me? Who am I? And I think if we're going to get somebody to stand out and say, no, I can change, this is a clear foreshadow that could, it could be him. He's saying the entire first part of this episode, I'm in control. I'm choosing that. You didn't force me to do that. Really, it's everything Dolores wants to believe and everything that she's fighting for, right? You can't just program everything. We have free will. We have agency. So I'm very intrigued to see where his story goes. I think we know where it goes. Don't tell me. We don't. <laughs> there was nothing for sure in that. There's a lot to be learned. We also have a ton of Clatcher's comments, as we mentioned. I'm going to get to as many as I can here. Pierre saying he has a crazy theory about this season, that the real world, where Dolores tries to destroy the whole human race, may be a land for rebel hosts like her. Maybe they understood AI host evolution becoming human, and the company built this in order to control them. Can you imagine Inception plus Terminator plus Matrix? <laughs> oh, man. James also says a bit of a random thought, but I've been wondering where they might parallel with what's happening in the show right now and how humans actually evolved on Earth. There were competing species, Homo erectus, Neanderthals, etc. on Earth, and eventually Homo sapiens became the dominant species on the planet through both evolution and natural selection. Could we be seeing a similar battle, but within an AI world? Perhaps Rehoboam and Serac represent one species, and Ford and Dolores another, fighting to become the new dominant. Then perhaps Arnold Bernard represents a third species that sits somewhere in the middle and will be the one to watch out for. And we kept saying that really, wow. he's the only one where they've successfully managed to meld both human and AI. I mean, depending on how successful you think Bernard is right now, but it's working in some way. And that is the real question, and why is nobody on to that? You know, how does it manage to work for him? Yeah. After the episode last week, Christina was thinking we're not done with Lee Sizemore yet, which I would love to think is true. Well, she says, I think Maeve did indeed give the plagiarized version inside the simulation sentience within its programming. Is that not essentially what the hosts are, conscious programming, aren't we all? Plus, Simon Quarterman did an interview where he stated his character journey was an upward but couldn't say much more. Hmm. So, 
this alternate place Serac was talking about. Perhaps they can put in Lee? Yeah, well, so what she's saying is if you can achieve a level of sentience inside of a simulation, how is that really different from AI achieving some sort of sentience? It's a change in the programming True. that wasn't built in, which is a whole other interesting topic to think about. Jonathan said, I was listening to your podcast for episode three and wanted to point out that Caleb gave Dolores a blood transfusion in the ambulance. This was the reason she recovered enough to take out the guys coming after her. Um, you had questions. How is she still able to yeah, I was confused. fight these guys, drag them over? Because she was so down and out. And then, so, okay, so he did manage to give her a bit of a blood transfusion. It was quick, but you're a machine, so yeah. I can see that. Thank you. He says, in season one, William did the same thing, transfused Lawrence's blood into Teddy to help him heal, and it was still able to give him a little new life somehow. So while it might not be the same thing as with a human, it does do something for them. Dig it. Okay. And I think we've never been entirely clear on how the biological and mechanical meld Mm -hmm. within a host. Um, It's still not entirely clear. That question they brought up in that very scene They've got the blood, they get the transfusion, but it doesn't have platelets. What does it give them? Um, but It's a good question. That's, that's good clarification for us, so thank you. Michael says, We have Rehoboam, but nobody is talking about the predecessor, Solomon. Am I to believe this barely mentioned, for no reason, thing is brought up at all? It kind of locks in my perhaps misplaced mistrust of Sarek. So when he says, this is almost the second version, which is also true if you look biblically of Rehoboam coming after his father Solomon. Yeah. So, you know, why? What went on with the first one? And is that going to matter to the eventual storyline, which I for sure think it will? I think so too. It's Yeah. I I say bookmark that because we're definitely going to come back around to that Mm -hmm. for sure. And I keep wondering that simulation we saw him put Maeve into that looked to be very separate and his own sort of process for figuring things out. Is it, what is that? Is it an older version? No, I think this world has simulations because the scene in this episode, we saw Dolores and Bernard in a simulation before he had the pearl installed. Remember he was like, but I never finished my house. And we had the the aspect ratio was simulation as well during that. Hmm, that's interesting you say that. I That could be. I took that for her masking reality when she's talking to him because she's programming him, making him think that he sees something that's comforting to him. Uh, but it creates cognitive dissonance because Bernard says, but wait, he never finished the house, and that's when he starts to flash on the real place. But that was more of something going on in his mind than necessarily a simulation. I, I that's why I get confused because I take that change in aspect ratio to be more of an indication that we're not seeing reality instead of 100% always a simulation. Okay. But it could be. Difference of imp- opinion. Get ready for some mean emails. Oh, fine. <laughs> I mean, I, I kind of feel like anybody that says I know 100% with this show where they're going, uh, only the creators know that, right? Nikki sent us an interesting Medium article that I haven't had a chance to read all the way through, but I started. It was very interesting. It's called Artificial Intelligence Will Keep Our Loved Ones Alive. So if you want to dig further into this, definitely check that out. Stephen says, one to ponder for the podcast. 
We keep seeing flashbacks of Dolores looking at a book containing pages of what seems to be Morse code or similar patterns. Any chance that those patterns line up like the lightning array we see on Rehoboam? And I have to say, that's amazing, but I did not catch what she's looking at. So I'm going to have to go back and take a deeper look at that. Yeah, I have to see the picture because is it ones and zeros? Is it just binary? Mm. I have to see it. Yep. Uh, We'll have to get back to you on that. Good point, though. Finally, John wrote in a lengthy email to talk to us about our theories on Dr. Ford. (laughs) Speaking of, we said we'd come back around to him and the possibility if he could still be in existence somewhere. So John says, as a refresher to last season, Dr. Ford did not go back into the forge at the end of season two, and the forge was not destroyed. His digital consciousness was loaded onto a red pearl created by Bernard, who then took it to the cradle, the backup and simulation for the host's narratives. So, you know, we had the cradle, which was for all the host data and simulations, and then we had the forge, which stored human information. He says, unlike James Delos, Ford could still be stable in the cradle because the digital human mind can be stable in digital form. They only fell apart after being put into a physical host body. Ford took over Bernard's mind, and they had a kind of dual consciousness for a while, where Ford was making Bernard do things, until Bernard deleted the program from his mind. And that was the end of Ford. Without Ford, Bernard and Dolores go into the forge, plug into the guest data program, meet the system that controls the program, who presents as the avatar of Logan. You know, this is where he explains humans are simple programming and the simulated world of the valley beyond where the host can go to their sublime. Dolores rejects this idea of the simulated world as just another prison and starts to delete both guest data and the valley beyond, which is when Bernard shoots her and stops the delete. So both the valley beyond and the guest data are not destroyed. They are beamed up to this location with the decryption key. And this is what we had spoken about, just not being 100% sure of what amount of any data has survived. <clears throat> or if you can get to it. Right. We didn't think it was destroyed completely. No. So it's a question of, are host and guest data still up there? Is it all of it? Just some of it? How do you get to it? Which is exactly what Serac's trying to figure out right now. Yes. And since we've remarked about that, we've gotten a few more episodes. And now we're learning there is a way to access it. And it's in Dolores's head. Mm-hmm. Basically so, like coordinates. Yeah, maybe she got some of it, but not much before Bernard was able to stop that. So there's still a decent amount of it there. Oh, deleted-wise, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, we don't know. Um, if it wasn't... We, we really don't know, because it could have been in the deletion portion, creating a package to delete, and then it would delete it all at once, or maybe it was deleting it one at a time. We don't know. Mm-hmm. Well, and the question of what happened to the Forge where somebody like Ford's initial digital consciousness was stored, did he go up with the guest data? Because he's not a guest. It was completely different for him. And when we end up in the Forge again, seeing that it's flooded but drained, it looks like it's still accessible to still be able to get to it. He says the Forge system might still be inside and encrypted, but we do see that Bernard got rid of his portion of Ford. So coming back to what we were saying, we had this question of, is there still Ford data somewhere? Right. Um, So far as we know, you couldn't just upload that to a Perl and put it into a host without having problems. 
You We've could share yeah. one as we saw him get into Bernard for a temporary time. Not there anymore, but could it happen again? Could we see it? We were just playing around with the idea of is Ford gone, gone. Most likely he is, but... You never know at Westworld. You never know. And just to explain why it's so tricksy with whose data can be gotten to and whose can't. I mean, we just learned that you can copy them. You know, we didn't know that. We never knew that. Right. We're getting new rules all the time. But I wanted to break that down step by step so it made a little more sense. And I really appreciate, John, the refresher because I think it is important for us to clarify and refresh all of those events because season two got really twisty. It and it was, was so long ago, too. Hard to track. And that was a very good, succinct recap Absolutely. of the main points. But the big thing I wanted to give him credit for before this episode, him and I were sort of talking about who could it be inside of Hale and that he said he rejected the idea of Wyatt because it's not a separate program that can just be extracted from Dolores's mind. It was absorbed into her and sort of became part of her identity. She's both of those things and all of it merged together. So he said if the person in Charlotte Hale is Dolores, then it's just a copy of Dolores not Wyatt or some other version of her. It's like taking a pearl and copying everything over from her pearl. There's no separating it out. Oh, wow. So, man, I'm so sorry we couldn't have read this before this episode. That was right on calling it more than anybody else was. Our clatchers are smart. So credit to you, though. Backdated, I can say for sure that came in before the episode. Well, that's going to do it for this episode, except for the spoilers. I don't know if we helped clarify things or confuse them even more, but I'm hoping we didn't go off on as many theory tangents as last time. And as ever, we're looking forward to whatever's coming up next in the second half, the last four episodes of this season. If you are afraid of the spoilers, we will see you next time when we review episode five. For those of you still here, we know that five is going to be called genre. We talked about earlier how that was interesting. We were introduced to this new psychopharma hybrid, this drug that they're taking at the party. So we wondered, is that going to come into bigger play next episode? Or is it going to be a different kind of spin on the word genre? I mean, the first thing we tend to think of is the traditional definition. Like Wild West. I mean, all the parks are different genres. Yeah, socially agreed upon conventions that develop over time. That could be in any area. Written, spoken, artistic, even digital mm -hmm. communication. So we'll see how they choose to interpret that. In the preview, we hear building a god is not easy. <laughs> there were people or outliers who you couldn't predict or control. And as long as they are a part of this, there's no future for us. Us as a company, maybe Rehoboam is not foolproof. And this is why he needs all that other data. Oh, I'm sure that's got to be a factor in it. But also his firm opinion that these two races cannot coexist alongside each other humans and AI. Oh, it's just, so no future for us as humans? Maybe. I don't know. Oh, boy. It's not to be. Well, because then somewhere in this group is an agitator who will destroy the world. I can't let that happen. That could be so many people. Um, sure. I mean, it's making I mean, you Dolores. think clearly Dolores here because then you get her saying it's time everyone woke up. And we had speculated what that could mean last episode when she was talking to Caleb and said she was going to unplug the system and let everyone see the world for how it truly is. Ooh. We've been playing around a lot with that notion. If somehow we are being tricked and not even living in a digital simulation, but just tricked into seeing things not quite as they are, because in this preview, after she says that, Caleb is given something in a syringe 
and he says he's seeing things differently. So it's augmented reality on steroids, basically augmented reality in the future. Possibly, and that wow. could be a big part of what this drip is about, the chip in you. Yes, it can do all these other things that it's telling you are really good for you, but why did they want us to have it in the first place? It has to be some mechanism of control, right? Wow, yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is way off, but think about it this way. If my job could pay me pennies to work, but having those pennies result in me living in a mansion and I have a Ferrari and everything I ever needed, but in reality, I don't. Mm -hmm. I'd be happy. If you think you do, what's the difference? Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's just one way to put it. Well, we also see there's probably going to be a lot of action. There's a building explosion, a car chase. We don't really know what it all means for the narrative, but I think a lot's going to go down. And we leave off with Bernard saying, have you ever questioned what she's asking you to do? And I think talking to Caleb about Dolores, he's following her so uh, seemingly blindly right now. And is this the right choice? I think they are setting this thing up presently where Dolores is on one side, Maeve is on the other, but Bernard is in the middle sort of saying, people are in danger. Is this the right thing to do? He was brought back here to be a counterpoint to her. And so if Caleb's her biggest disciple right now, he wants to make him question it. So as always, we have a lot to look forward to and we have more questions than answers. And I'm excited for next Sunday. Thank you so much, Clatchers, for joining us on this ride. This one was a little long. Lots to talk about. If you like what we're doing and you want to help us out, subscribe to our podcast, spread the word, tell your friends about us. Review us on iTunes like Andros did from Budapest, Hungary. And he sent us a screenshot. So thank you so much for that. And if you want to hear more from us, there's always Patreon. Go to coffeeclatchcrew.com. Click on Patreon. We have an array, a variety of more content for you. In fact, over three days worth of content, if you broke it down and listened to it all at once. Um, It would be a way to help us out and a way for you to have more to listen to. You could have plenty of great movie reviews if you choose to sign on with that tier, but also the bonus episodes where we have a ton of fun. There is something new planned for this month, so it's a good time to join and check it out. And when you are a member, you're always entered into the monthly raffle where you can win free CKC gear from our store of your pickings. So it's a win-win for you. And time for us to go offline. Till next time, this round's on me. Hmm. This round is on me.